0: Hello and welcome to the Manchester is Red podcast. My name is Stephen Rielsen I'm back today. I'm your host and we're recording on a pleasant Monday afternoon here in Manchester after Manchester United defeated Wolves 2-0 on Saturday afternoon in the Premier League. Back to winning ways at Old Trafford and what a day for football it was. The sun was shining, there wasn't a cloud in the sky. And my two colleagues were there in the press box as usual. Samuel Lockhurst and Tyrone Marshall who are of course on board with me for the next 45 minutes or so. Um so start off with Samuel, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Did you win did you win much money at Chester? I did, I did win a bit, I did win a bit. It wasn't as good as it could have been. Um I was waiting on a horse in last for quite a bit, and if I'd won that, I probably wouldn't be on the podcast today. I'd probably be on a flight <laughs> at Barbados, so somewhere a lot nicer than Salford. But nonetheless a, a good day. Um Ty, how are you? Yes, good. Thank you, Stephen. Good. Glad to hear
1: you uh, at least had one enjoyable day this weekend anyway. <laughs>
0: You've got to have them every now and then. You've got to shoot yourself, don't you, Ty? Of course. Um, but we'll get stuck into the football action then, Samuel. Obviously, a, a 2 0 win. Um, I tweeted after the game. I said I, I kind of felt like I've watched that game quite often this season, where you know you'll get a goal, look incredibly comfortable, but they seem to be lacking kind of that cut and edge to kill off opponents. Obviously, they got the goal uh, in injury time with Gnaccho, which was great to see on his return. So, what was your general verdict leaving the stadium? Your reaction? Because at the end of the day. Um, it was an important win after back-to-back defeats, wasn't it? It was. It was really crucial.
2: You weren't the only one who who thought that. Uh, there was never a point where United looked uncomfortable or looked in danger of dropping points in that game, but it was a weird one to write because it was the same old. It was familiar fare. It was a pretty routine goal taken, but they they weren't clinical. They didn't score. They didn't score enough goals again, which. At some stage of the season, you were thinking that that the goal difference that could be a problem for them. It probably won't be, uh, but it, if if it, it still is, and that that's going to be particularly galling, um, looking into the, the the last couple of weeks of the season. But really, there was nothing to take away from from that performance until Garnacho came on and scored. And I think five of the nine questions that Ten Hag faced afterwards were were on Garnacho because it was his first game in eight weeks, and he he made such a such a positive contribution but I think going into it because of the situation Wolves were in even though they were mathematically assured of safety, their away record was and is still terrible I think they've only won two away from home all season Uh, United couldn't have hoped for a better team to come up against Old Trafford and yet despite all that you sense that United were never going to take them to the cleaners because that's not that's not United this season and and that United, the, the, the ruthless United of old that's not returning this season. This is not a season of a vintage United. It's about getting points on the board and, and climbing up the ladder, which they are doing and they absolutely had to do after the two away defeats to, to Brighton and West Ham. So, although you know, a lot of supporters might have gone away feeling a bit underwhelmed by it despite the the, the game ending on a high with, with Garnacho clinching it in the 94th minute, it's... It's still a step closer to qualifying for the Champions League. And that's, I think it was De Gea who put it in one of his posts after the game. He said that's they're one step closer to one of their objectives. And we've always maintained that a successful season for United would be finishing in the top four and, and winning a trophy. They've won a trophy. They really should be finishing in the top four. Um, they should have had it boxed off some time ago when you consider the, the points they've dropped. In recent weeks, Tottenham Springs to mind, they sh- they should not have been getting beaten by-, by West Ham, but they did deserve to lose that game. So they're making hard work of it, and-, and Ten Hag is even playing on that cliche now about how they always make things difficult for themselves, which is uh, something that-, that became a cliche during the Ferguson years, and Ten Hag felt the need to mention it in his programme, and then he mentioned it twice at his post-match debrief as well. So it doesn't feel like there's a great deal of d- drama uh, about United at the moment and Wolves didn't even have an attempt on target, which made it quite peculiar when Lopetegui said afterwards, he said that he felt they like, I think he used the word dominated, he's just they they dominated phases of, of, of the game when th- that was absolutely not the case. Uh, that their, their best player was, was Dan Bentley, who had a very good game in goal and made a particularly good save from Sancho. Uh, it was very, it was well struck. He, he did give the keeper a prayer by hitting it too close to him, but he still did brilliantly to get down that quickly and turn it out for a turn it wide for a corner. So, it, it should have been a much more handsome win from United, but I don't think anybody was was expecting that from them because they just they don't do that this season. They've only scored four goals in two games. So, um, yeah, maybe that will come back next season. But we we keep on coming away from these uh, performances, win, lose or draw, at
0: the moment with um with, with the same takeaways. Three points is three points, of course, exactly. And I think we all had a suspicion that Wolves were probably going to be on the beach. It was going to be that kind of performance. But I was surprised at how-to for us that were, to the extent, as you say, zero shots on target. They really didn't trouble uh, United. And it was surprising to see some fans give, the had yeah, some proves after. I thought, well, I could have stood and gone. And I think on that afternoon, they didn't concede because they really, really was didn't threaten. Is that just because
2: him. of the clean sheets table, is
0: it? Or well, yeah. Yeah. And, and do you know what? He's almost guaranteed a win I think now, isn't he? Because there's only I three games, I so, he mean, yeah. yeah, he's three ahead. <laughs> So, (laughs) a bizarre little uh, thing to take from the season. Anyways, Tiger Nacho, let's discuss him because it was an excellent finish. Um, Came on in the 81st minute. His fifth goal of the season. He's just had his new contract. He's just got his new teeth. He's got that beach blonde hair we discussed. I think last week we said he's... The Ronaldo transformation, isn't it? It's the the beginning of that. But it was really good to see him score. Obviously, his his celebration as well. He was obviously delighted. Um, What have you... What did you think of his little cameo? And more importantly, next season... I know Tenal discussed it, and we'll get on to Fernandes' comments in a bit from the mix one, But do you think you can really put pressure on Rashford for start in place in that team on the left? Um, yeah,
1: I mean maybe it, it, it feels unlikely at the moment, given what Rashford's done this season with with 29 goals. But certainly, I think there's going to be decisions to be made on on the wings next year. Um, you know, his, his cameo was good. Any nine minute appearance that ends with a goal, you've got to say he's, he's done quite well. There was a break before that when he, he actually overhit a pass to, to Fernandes when Fernandes was making an overlapping run from him, which probably showed a, a little bit of a lack of sharpness and probably to be expected really when, when you have just back after not playing for that long. But took his goal really well, showed composure to, to get rid of the defender and and, and a good finish really when, like you know, like Samuel said, Bentley had made a couple of saves, I think Fernandes and Sancho. And the Sancho one was a really good save. Fernandes was, was straight at him and too many of United's shots were... Either low percentage efforts or shots straight at him. So he did. He did take his goal well. Um, he was. You know, he was the one. The, the one person that felt like he might be a story all afternoon. The, the the fans were singing his name from the moment he started warming up for the first time. And he's. Um, you know, he's he's clearly very popular there. He gives them something different. There's a real, a real buzz every time he gets on the ball and and he's he's running forward and I, I think it's probably a stretch to say he might be ousting Fernandez and uh, Ra- Rashford next year, but I think certainly he'll be he'll be playing a lot. Um, Rashford can play up front as well, and we don't know what the striker situation is going to be next year, who they're going to sign, whether Martial will leave. But there's, you know, there is there is a backlog really on on the wings. Um, you've got Gonalco and Rashford on the left next year. You could have Anthony and maybe Ahmad on the right, Sancho as well. You'd say. He, he could easily be third position, third choice for both positions next season. He was pretty ineffective again, and he just—it you know, was hard to believe it's the same player that you saw at Dortmund. There's just so little zip to his game, it's so a bit of Nicole, hasn't He ties game. This season? Yeah. has, yeah. I mean, he when he when he came back from that in, that absence, the you know, there was a real ground of support for him at Old Trafford. He scored fairly early on in his return. Can't remember exactly which game it was, but and he looked, you know, fair three or four games it looked like it had done him some good he looked sharp but it's just regressed again seemingly and there's not there doesn't seem to be a lot of confidence to him when he's playing and you, you, you just don't really expect you don't expect anything because you're not really getting anything from him and his record for you know I, I'd done a piece on the day of the game about the front three and their their record and for Sancho it was one goal assist in 850 minutes or something like that that's over 900 minutes now obviously I don't think it was any surprise when he went off and he's the one that you're going to think is under pressure next year. I mean, there the, the could even be an argument they cash in on him, but I, I just don't know what sort of market you'd get for, for a player like that, but he's the one that you'd look at next year and think there's probably not going to be a lot of minutes there, and if he prefers to play on the left, which it seems is the case and United sign a striker I mean, you'd have him below Rashford and Garnaccio for sure, so so I think there's decisions to be made there out right wide you look at players like Pelestri Langer. I mean, they've just got to go, but yeah, Garnaccio deserves certainly to be very close to, to the starting lineup, and he, he could even force his way in before the end of the season. If if Rashford's still unavailable or Rashford's playing through the middle, you'd have gone on
0: the left ahead of Sancho at the moment, for sure. For sharing with Sancho, because I feel it like on this podcast we talk about him and he kind of produces these moments like against Tottenham when he scored that great goal, and you kind of think, right, come on, kick on from here, and it just doesn't happen, does it, when he has these moments? He's not really sustaining it across a full 90 minutes or making a, a genuine impact. Um, but there was a positive. Uh, another positive Samuel I thought Varane was really good and his comeback from injury obviously it was great to see him back as well um, a polished performance I think it's fair to say um, how key will he be in the running obviously three games left in the league we've got the FA Cup final against Manchester City because Ten Hag said before the game look he knows how to win he's got that experience he's going to bring that to the team but also I think when Varane comes back into the team he's obviously next to Lindelof and that allows Shaw to start a left back and that's really important isn't it because Shaw's just fantastic going down that side and, and roaming forward
2: yeah Shaw was pretty good again his his performance level of late has been very it's, it's been consistently high I'd say I know at Brighton it was the one we said he, he didn't put a foot wrong but then he, he lift, raised his hand and, and he gave away the penalty and where, wherever he plays he's he's doing very well I think he's had a a good season by and large as well And it will be interesting to see, provided Varane is fit and stays fit for the FA Cup final, whether Ten Hag reverts to a right-footed and left-footed defensive partnership and and bringing Shaw back inside and playing Malassia there, because that is what he did in January. It's it's easily forgotten that Tyrone Malassia actually started when United beat City at Old Trafford. You, You think Malassia in the derby and you just think of him. Again, rinsed by Phil Foden and been taken off at half time. It was almost like a carbon copy of what happened to Patrice Everon, his United debut at, at City all those years ago. But Varane is just, he's, he's still one of the best centre-backs in the world. And you knew when Ten Hag confirmed him, on, confirmed that he was fit on Friday, that he was available, you knew that when he said he, he was coming back, he'd be coming back straight into the team. It wouldn't be on the bench. And I've, I thought it was quite quite right what he did in retaining Lindelof Lindelof completely deserved to to continue at center half uh, Malacia is not really in this the chances that he's had of late he did okay against Villa but that's that's been his performance level really it's been okay and okay cannot be seen as, as good enough really so the the selections were, were completely correct and of course it's it was another clean sheet and it's it's pretty peculiar in this season where United have been thumped a good number of times and the goalkeeper really should be on the way out but it looks like he'll stick around that they have got the most number of clean sheets in the league this season and that, that is mainly down to the, the improvement in, in the defence and as I said I think Martinez, Varane and Shaw uh, individually have, have had seasons ranging from very good to great possibly depending on how it ends Diallo had a good first few months of the season malacio actually had a pretty good start to his united career and Lindelof of late has has made a contribution uh, a good contribution as well so they the, the the defensive state of the team is actually in in a pretty pretty good shape um so it, it might surprise some that there's the possibility that united could sign a couple of defenders in the summer but i think that's more more down to the the need for, for outgoings, and th- there are question marks over um, over both right backs. Really, I mean, Dallo still hasn't signed a new contract. Uh, Wan-Bissaka is at, at the moment is the first choice right back, but he has a ceiling, and I, I think that United can't really get ahead of themselves there. And look, for all the options at centre half on Saturday, nobody was considering the eighty million pound captain, which is again a sign of. Where he's at, <laughs> um but again, it's. It, I'm not sure there's any more any room actually left in Harry Maguire's coffin. But if you can fit another nail in it, that there's another nail to to hammer in there. So, it's 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 impressive what Ten Hag has overseen. uh As I said, despite these, at the time it, it felt like they were aberrations. But then it, they would concede four at Brentford, and then it would be six at City, and then it would be seven at. At Anfield, so although they've got that in them by and large, they've done very well. And and Varane being more available has been key to that. And it did say a lot about his his presence that in during his absence, they only won two of the seven games that he was unavailable for. I, I think if he was playing in, in Seville, there's no way United would have lost that game 3 0.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, we'll have a quick word on Anthony then, Ty, before we move on to the next part actually, because I thought he was really bright. Um, creative, inventive, you know he was in the centre of most things really in the action going forward but he just couldn't find the goal could he? He had multiple chances and he just couldn't put it away and I guess that kind of goes to the wider point this season where you've got a few attackers in that team that really just haven't been pulling their weight of the uh, regarding goals No, absolutely not um, he,
1: he did do quite well, I thought the you know the assist was good, it would be easy to take the shot on there but when you've got a record in front of goal like Anthony, you're probably desperate for a pass as well um, but he, you know, he did show composure to to find the right pass. The header was the one that you looked at and thought he's he's got to score that. The one just before the goal. I mean, it was really poor technique. But I do think there's been signs of improvement recently. They're not really translating to numbers. I mean, that was his third assist in in 42 games this season for a winger who's cost 85 million pound at a club like United. That's just diabolical. Basically, um, you know, he's got to be he's got to See, be. Creating... you really think, Tyrone. Oh, three assists <laughs> in 41 games in a front three it's you know it's nowhere near good enough and he's he has scored some goals to be fair you know his goal i think it's eight this season which is not bad you know he's i think him and sancho were both in terms of 90 minutes one in four like they're both scored about one in four which i think you'd want you'd want one in three at least from a from a if you're playing a front three you'd want one in three at least so i think there's got to be improvement from there but his creativity at yeah, it's getting better, but it's still, it's still not enough. And it, you know, at the end of the day, the the number of assists you get is partly dependent on whether people are putting away the chances. But it doesn't feel like you're watching Anthony thinking he's teeing up chances left, right, and centre. His is, decision making in the final third is still not always brilliant. He's still a bit too predictable, and I think part of the reason he probably doesn't create a lot of chances is because he slows the play down, and, and defenders can can read it. But there is. You know, there is definitely room for improvement there. And I think he's always going to have this fee around his neck. You know, you mentioned Maguire was the £80 million defender previously. Anthony's the £85 million winger. He's clearly not worth that at the moment. The fact United paid that when they could clearly have got him cheaper two months prior to that, had they been, had they been more committed at that stage, they could have got a deal for more than that. I mean, Ajax I fleeced them at the end of the window because Tenaga was so desperate for him. That's always going to be held... Against him in a way, but this is still, you know, it's his first season in in what you call an elite league. Really, he's had two years at Ajax, essentially doing what he wants going forward. So it's understandable. There's going to be a, a bedding in process, and I think we've seen as the season's gone on that there has been there has been some improvement for
0: sure. Yeah, next season will be the asset test. One, that frankly really needs to start stepping up his output. Um, I think I did a piece last week and I looked at the between Weghorst, where, where Martial, Anthony and Sancho. I think they average 1.5 league goals between them this this season each per, per month. So 1.5 league goals per month between four players. Ah, it's just so, so poor, isn't it? But it's, it's not actually a surprise. Confirms the visual impression of the Anthony's
2: behind. probably been the, the best of those four as well in the he's he is he is quite a creative player and there have been signs of, as Ty said, improvement recently, particularly the performance at Forest and it was it was strange actually having to rate him on on Saturday because he did get an assist, but the first shot he had, he should have played Marshall in rather than going for goal. Uh, he had other opportunities. He didn't get a goal. Um, it seemed like at the end, he, Bentley made quite a good save from him at the near post and he was looking up to the heavens as if to say, like, why why is this happening to me? But he, he has to look at himself because it's all coincidence that he's starting these games and his first shot, it's always going going wide of the post, I think that's, that's three games running from him now, uh, the, the, the Brighton one he, he certainly should have hit the target, maybe at West Ham there was an element of of misfortune but he's, he's very much a work in progress and I think for for now where United are doing quite well, he's getting a bit of a free pass, if they weren't doing well the, the scrutiny would be tumbling down on him, it really would so...
1: It's in his interest to have a much better second season. So I was gonna say, he's benefiting from something Sancho didn't have in that respect, and that he is going a bit under the radar because United are doing so well. Whereas there's, there was pressure on Sancho to deliver next year because you, the whole team was was a bit of a disaster. So he didn't he didn't kind of get away with it in the sense that Anthony might be this year, and you wonder if Sancho's basically not recovered from from that bad season and, and the criticism he got when if he'd maybe if this was his first season and he was. Doing okay, but generally underperforming. There'd probably be a bit more, a bit more leeway than he actually got.
0: He would have still missed three months, would he? Which is, it's been a it's been a difficult time for Sancho since obviously joined the club. It's not all been straightforward, is it? Um, I was going to say just before Rafa does part. If it was Ferguson in charge, um, he probably would have contacted uh, Wolves' goalkeeper's agent after the game, which was the game we had. But you never know. Tenog had dinner with him and the other week, so he might have took a took a finger from his playbook. You never know. Um, anyways, we'll leave that for part one, and we'll be back in the for part two. Now I got this wrong the other month when we went into a little mix on segment when I believe a mistake I was stuck Samuel for going into the mix on when he didn't know the press conference or vice versa. So can I confirm Tyrone? It was you in the mix on on Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening, wasn't it? It was. Yes, it was. I was. I was there. Bruno Fernandez, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. It was quite
1: quick to be fair. Um, United were were very efficient in in getting a player. So we're so efficient that I was actually still in the press box finishing some work when I got there a message from a member of the communications team so full uh, full credit to them for uh, for bringing someone so and a, a good player as well not just a big name player but Fernandez is well, best talker in the squad probably isn't he? the best talker in that squad yeah
0: well that's why I thought it was were asking about it today because obviously I read the read the piece and his uh, his comments on Ganacho were really interesting and the kind of the role he's took in his development and we all know his attitude wasn't the best on pre-season tour. That was kind of ironed out, and obviously now he's enjoying a, a bit more of improved fortune. So, could you kind of touch upon what Fernandez said about Garnacho, really? Because I thought it was quite interesting. It was uh, worth telling the, the listeners if they've not read the piece.
1: Yeah, well, that was my question, Stephen. So, thank thank you for thinking
0: it was uh, it was interesting.
1: Um, yeah, we, I mean, we, we were with my colleagues were discussing about asking it asking about Garnacho, and it occurred to me that it, it was well to ask that Fernandez was. Um. I mean, he he was criticised for it on on social media at the time when he he he, he mentioned Ganacho's so I think he called it a poor attitude on on tour, and obviously we knew by then that he hadn't played on tour and that he'd he'd been late a couple of times and, and basically been disciplined by Ten Hag and, and left out. But Fernandez brought it into the open. It was after Gonalucio scored his his first goal against Sociedad. and Fernandez was I can't remember if it was with MUTV or or the broadcasters or BT Sport, but. He was obviously asked about going and just off his own bat said he he had a poor attitude on on the tour and you know it's interesting when you see a senior player bringing that into the open and I remember at the time he was he was criticised for it as people saying he was digging him out and throwing him under the bus but he obviously said that for a reason and he, you know he he basically said on Saturday that that was the manager's you know the manager had had said that in a way and Fernandes was just putting that message back across but he did go on to talk about how he's you know maybe take him under his wing a little on in in training said so he speaks to him when they're at the training ground um is quite really said. If he said if he hears he hears if he doesn't if he doesn't want to he doesn't want to but you get the impression he is doing because he mentioned a few occasions kind of hinting that his attitudes improved and that he wouldn't be getting the minutes he is if if he wasn't doing what what Ten Hag wants of him so there was some some quite interesting stuff on on their relationship it gave the impression that that Fernandez is is having quite a big influence on him we, we know Garnaccio obviously looked up to Ronaldo um to the point that he now looks like Ronaldo um so it's it's you know it's probably good that he's there's, there's another player there who's having a real influence on him and it did seem that that Fernandes fits that bill Fernandez mentioned Garnaccio doing an interview um where he he mentioned that Bruno was helping him a lot so so yeah it was it was quite interesting stuff and it it did put that comment back in November. Um, about saying publicly, Gonacho had a poor attitude in in context and, you know, you need players, you need senior players like that in the in the dressing room that he might be eighteen, but he is still willing to, to call him out on it and, and make it public and at the same time guiding him to, to to do the right things. And he did say a couple of times as well, there was there was probably three or four questions on Gonacho and he said to a couple of them that, you know, we, I don't wanna I don't want to big him up too much basically because that's the danger with young players that you, you keep talking about how good they are and eventually it goes to their head and there is still clearly room for improvement there. So trying to keep his feet on the ground. But yeah, I, I, I left that chat thinking
0: that Bruno was certainly a player that was that was having an impact on gone, actually. I mean, if you remember when you guys were out in, uh, in Thailand last year, there was the only outfield player not to make a single appearance. When I mean, you look at it, I think it was Teef Chong got minutes and he was always going to leave, which it seemed a bit bizarre, but then obviously transpired and that came out, which uh, made a lot more sense. Um, are you going to Solskjaer then, Samuel? Let's discuss that because he made his return to Old Trafford, didn't he? First time since he was dismissed as manager in late 2021. Um, but we'll discuss his comments with the Glazers as well because he said, "Look, they've been neglecting the club. It's time for takeover. It's time for change." Um, but I guess when you look at his comments when he was manager, he, he said, "Joe Glazer loved the club." Um, he said the Glazers were committed to the club. So, where do you stand on this, Samuel? Because I've saw some people praising Solskjaer for coming out and saying it but it also feels like he perhaps should have done a little bit more. news manager, but then you could argue, look, his hands were tied. What's your verdict?
2: It, it was classic vault-face stuff, really, from a, a man who posed for a selfie with Avram Glazer and one of the Glazer relatives, who, who is not Joel Glazer, despite what picture desks continue to try and, and, and suggest. Otherwise, uh, it's, it's happened with others. I mean, Gary Neville was a Glazer apologist up until two years ago when the Super League um, came about and Salford City's place in the Football League was, was threatened by it. Uh, and, and now Gary Neville is, is the loudest on on, on uh, of, of the Glazer Out movement, really, it feels like, bar the, the supporters who go to games. Yet it would have been more impactful if he'd actually said something about them when he was a, a Man United player. And even when he retired, uh, it wasn't for another 10 years that, he decided to, um, to to unload on the Glazers, and that was probably because of the the, the fact that he's the Salford City co-owner um, with with Solskjaer. I mean, there were a lot of interesting comments uh, that he made, and uh, you know, he's he's not wrong when he says Old Trafford has been neglected, Carrington has been neglected, but it, he'd have had a lot more. He'd got a lot more respect if he'd actually said some of these things in a tactful way when he was manager. The problem is, and Ty and I know from press conferences and the dreaded Zoom call era as well, he was an extremely clunky communicator, and you cannot underestimate that. When you're when you're the Man United manager, you've got to be able to communicate. And it, I mean, it descended into farce in his last weeks when. He said verbatim that Marcus Rashford needs to focus more on football. It was words it pretty much almost to that effect. We all reported what he said. And then at the start of his next pretty much press conference, in between they'd got hammered 4-2 at Leicester as well. Uh, in, at the start of his next press conference, he decided to turn on the journalists who were there virtually for apparently spinning it. But that, that was old order United as well. They they didn't communicate as well as they did back then despite the best attempts of, of certain personnel at the club but they didn't have the right manager to do it um i mean the the comment about snowflakes in the dressing room again he's he's not wrong about that uh you know i think everyone on this on this podcast is exempt from it but there there are snowflakes there the millennial mentality it exists in every workplace we've we've seen it in the newsroom uh this air of entitlement and um, the, feel it, the 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 enticement that you don't have to actually work hard to get something. I mean, you you work. You're you're about what twelve, aren't you still, Stephen? And you work as hard as anyone to um to get your opportunities. And you 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 absolutely, I say it completely objectively. You have the right work ethic. You have the right attitude. But there are some in workplaces who don't. And it's we we all know what that dressing room was like at United. And how they, the, the, the players were indulged and how, really, they, they did ride roughshod over the manager and they took liberties because they had a substitute teacher in charge. And that's the problem that seemed to be lost in Solskjaer. Yes, it's a different it's different to how it was under Roy Keane. And yeah, they wouldn't have survived in the Roy Keane era because times have changed. But if you're a really good manager, you change with the times. He didn't. And also, he actually cultivated that culture um th- of this, you know, of 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 the player power era. I mean, he was the manager at the time when United were trying to offer or, or get Jesse Lingard and Paul Pogba to sign new contracts. Why? Um he was the manager when Eric Bay was given a new contract again. Why? Uh if you're overseeing something like that, you're not gonna have great control of, of the dressing room and also you're not cultivating the right dressing room. United, do not miss any of those three players and it's a pity for United that, that by is still contracted the club and true to form uh, he's not going to play enough games for Marseille this season for um, to, to trigger their obligation to sign him permanently. So, look, and also although Solskjaer may grumble over certain individuals in that dressing room he did mismanage a hell of a lot of them as well. I mean, we were I can't remember how long ago it was but we were going through the players he mismanaged and we'd we'd named three of them, and that was just from the the goalkeeping department alone. De Gea got sick and tired of the rotation with Henson. Henson obviously made it very plain and clear last year that he was unhappy. To, to, to put it mildly, that he wasn't made number one after Solskjaer said he was going to make him number one. Uh, Tom Heaton rejoined United on the assumption that he was going to be the number two. He was the number three. So th- that's just three from the goalkeeping department alone, and there are other players as well who've publicised their misgivings or uh, their, their unhappiness and there are others who've, who've who've been more private about it but sometimes you've got to look at yourself and he's, he's not had a job for, for 18 months now uh, even though he did by and large reasonably well at United I'd say he overachieved and that nobody expected him to be there that long nobody would have thought Solskjaer would oversee a, a second place finish misleading though it was and pretty meaningless as well given the, the the training ground atmosphere that games were played out in that season but he's so associated with united that nobody will touch him with a barge pole and his his greatest feat remains winning the norwegian league with with molder and I, I thought when he left united that well norway national team job that that should be lined up for him we mentioned that to one of our um our old norwegian friends arilas who uh was was at United games very regularly during Solskjaer's first full season, and he told us that Staly Solbakken is um is that is, is is regarded as the better coach in Norway, and Staly Solbakken was was he Wolves manager when they got relegated to to League One about ten or eleven years ago. So, I mean, it it almost feels like it's something from the twilight zone that that Solskjaer ever managed United, and not only did he manage them, he he got a new contract, and he he was seen by some at the club as being. The man to make them a force again. Uh, I was, I was. It was good to see that he got a good reception, but he was always going to get a good reception on on Saturday uh, because of his his playing legacy. He is a legend. He scored the most the, the most uh, replayed and the most famous goal in the club's history, and he endeared himself to United supporters long before that goal at Camp Nou as well. And uh, he'll, they'll they'll always cherish those memories, but. As as a manager, although he had some points when he yeah, you know went to that to that event on on Friday evening, uh, it's it's easier to say it now. And there there were certain things he could have said at the time when he was manager, but he decided against uh, against saying them.
0: It's very well summarised. But I will say on Samuel's point about me looking twelve years old, I can grow a better facial hair than Samuel, so I can't sleep well at night. <laughs> I, can, I can't. I don't. Sleep well at I
2: do not. To I shave. know. It's, uh, yeah, my 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 stubble is. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, sometimes you, you don't want to shave too often. Uh, that's what I find anyway. But I'm, I'm definitely I am definitely better clean shaven.
0: Yeah, I mean Ty <laughs> sitting there with his beard. But uh, that's enough for the facial head uh, chat. We'll be back in a moment for part three. Ty is a fellow man with a lovely beard across there. I'll come straight at you, you, you. Have part three. But obviously, a big three points, as we've said earlier in the podcast, it takes United level with Newcastle on 66 points. Newcastle drew with Leeds, of course, on the other kickoff on Saturday. Now, Out on it. <laughs> you have to get that coming in. But of course, Newcastle have got Brighton, Leicester, and Chelsea in the coming weeks. United have got Bournemouth, Chelsea, and Fulham. And now Liverpool are sitting there in 5th and they can probably smell a bit of blood I can see and and Klopp's probably fancying his chances but can you see any movement Ty, from United and Newcastle because I feel like everyone I talk to no matter what camp they're in you go out in town you talk to United fans and they're quite nervous um, but potentially missing out on the Champions League but then I'll talk to Newcastle fans and they're feeling the exact same way um, both teams are in the same position they want the 66 points so do you anticipate that Liverpool can take advantage of either of those two teams maybe slipping up in the coming weeks?
1: I, I think Liverpool would have... Well, Liverpool obviously would have to win all three. i I'm still not sure that they necessarily do. I think mean, they have got Southampton away on the last day, but imagine that's a certainty. But it's Leicester late, isn't it, as we're recording this, I think, yeah. As much as they concede goals, they score goals as well. Um, I think they've got Villa next week, who are obviously a good team, still in the fight for Europe. So I don't think there's any guarantee Liverpool win all three. If they do, I think they might get there. Um, I, I mean, I think United will finish third. I would be concerned. I'd be concerned if I was a Newcastle fan, Stephen. Let's let's put it that way. Um, you know, there, there's, there's. Just, I don't think Newcastle are playing as well as as recently. There's, they can, cons- they can, they cons- they basically changed the way they play. It seems in the last few weeks, they've gone from being this dour team grinding out wins to to quite open and having these thrilling games. And I they, it feels to me like they've got quite a, a tough running. Um, Brighton this week, after what Brighton did on, on Sunday, is going to be really difficult. They've got Leicester as well. I know it's at home, but Leicester will still be scrapping. And I don't know, would Newcastle want to go to Stamford Bridge on the last day looking to get something? Maybe. I mean, when you look at where Chelsea are in the league and, and what they're doing at home, you probably say yes, but it's still it's still Chelsea away, isn't it? It's A lot of those players are still going to have a point to prove. Lampard's last game, maybe Pochettino will be there. So... I think, you know, Newcastle have got a tougher running than United for me and and United have got to finish third. They should be finishing third from here. They've got Bournemouth who are safe um, and then two home games, home against Chelsea and home against Fulham. So, I think United should be finishing third from here. I mean, if United finish fifth from here, something is going to go disastrously wrong. Um, I still think they wouldn't, you know, I said last week that they wouldn't, they wouldn't want to drop points this week and go into the final week needing to win on Thursday and Sunday to to guarantee it. But I still think that if, if Liverpool do win all three, I think it's Newcastle who would drop more points from here than than United. So, I, yeah, I can't, I can't really see a scenario where, where United don't get
0: top four. Like I say, they should. They should look to go and finish third from here. I reluctantly agree with that assessment, Ty. Si. Um, it's interesting that he talked about the balance of Newcastle's team and that he didn't want to upset it by playing Callum Wilson and... Alexander Isaac, and yet the last few games he's tried to shoehorn Isaac in on the left wing. Wilson down the middle. I'm Great not to watch sure. though. It made oh, it's
1: much, much better to watch.
0: Yeah, but I think I have to think. fair, a neutral, to be fair, I think he you just need one in the number nine. And obviously, I was talking to Samuel about Isaac's not a traditional number nine, but he's worked very well there. Um, so mm-hmm. it's going to be an interest in the last few weeks. Definitely will. Um, Samuel coming to the end, but uh, you wrote a transfer line today about um, some players that are set to be released. Obviously, could you expand on that, please, for anyone who hasn't saw it?
2: There will be more than five players that are released. That I mean, it's five certainties or nine certainties. Uh, the way it's been communicated to me, I mean, Phil Jones. I mean, it's not. It's not really a headline that he's he's going to get released. He started three times in. Uh, is it? Is it even three times? It might be. T- in fact, it might be only twice in the last three years, and he's he's not trained all season, so. I mean, United should have released him a long time ago. Never mind this summer; they probably should have released him in in 2020, maybe even 2019. There was an opportunity to do so, but that's that's United and contracts for you. I didn't realise actually how few games Axel Toensing to had played on loan at Stoke. Only five during his loan spell, which is is a disastrous amount, derisory amount as well. But again, that's in keeping with a defender who has had a lot of injury problems. Since he since he got his first break into the United squad, uh, I mean J- Jones and Two Z B, they were actually in the same squad for a game back in 2015. Uh, to still be on the books is is, is a failure of United's management. And Two Z B for him, the that that ship has sailed. There were a couple of opportunities, and it, it didn't happen for whatever reason. where there's really no resale value there now, they've they, you know. It would be uh, something would have to change for him not to be released. There is a plus one option in his contract, but there's not really a lot of logic to to extending that. Ethan Galbraith has been told that he'll be released. Uh, I think he only ever played once for United, which would have been against Astana. He was one of these players who got a little bit of exposure under Solskjaer. Uh, did quite well, I think, in the pre-season friendly against Villa, but sometimes, particularly with, with Irish Academy players at United, there can be quite a lot of buzz around them because um, because of their nationality and because there's such a huge following in Ireland for United. And, and Galbraith did did make his international debut at quite a young age, but he's he's gone alone at Salford this season and he's not exactly pulled up trees there. That's, that's a fourth tier as well. So uh, I don't think he'll struggle to get a reasonable move in the summer. He's got a good agency uh, looking after him as well now. So I think he's in a reasonable position to go on and have a, a decent football league career. And then you've got some lads who a lot of people listening won't have heard of. Andre Massini, a, a goalkeeper who's been on loan at Porter Down. Uh, Charlie Wellens, who I think his he's loan with, with Oldham actually ended early uh, mid-season. Yeah, and then he's ended been
0: Ended in December and he's just been in the academy. Yeah, I got told in January he was, he was not getting a new contract. So that's the, the kind of heavyweight yeah. exclusives that I've been producing recently, Sammy.
2: <laughs> you you do yourself down needlessly there. Uh, of course, his his father, uh, Richie, who's just overseen Leighton Orient's promotion to, to, to League One, he, he was on United's books many moons ago and, and would have been in a similar situation, but actually went on to have a, a pretty good football league career and it was also just uh, communicated to me that there would be some under, eight, under 18s that go as well for, for their own development. Uh, sometimes when when an 18 year old is released you you can it, you, immediately you think well that's, that's quite premature given the age that they sign contracts. Normally it's more 19, 20 that they're released or they're let go but you still have quite a lot of, a lot of players at that age level and if they're not getting the playing time and it's clear that there's not going to be a pathway to the under-18s or the under-21s the following season. It's in the interests of all parties to to move on. And United are very good as well in in helping these players. There is a duty of care uh, to them, given that they've brought them up, they've they've watched them grow into young adults. They they want to help them get get a move elsewhere. And United still pride themselves on the academy certainly prides themselves on, on conducting themselves in, in, in that manner. And I'm sure that'll be the case with a lot of them this summer. I think in a few years ago when it was uh, obviously the, the, the pandemic and it was obviously particularly uh, a particularly uncertain time for a lot of people uh, in, in various different industries uh they, they allowed some of the players uh, who, who weren't getting new contracts to still use the facilities at Carrington's. So that was a very, um you know it was a very pleasant way of going about it and very very thoughtful as well so there'll, there'll be more than five players released it's clearly nowhere near as high profile as last year when it seemed like over a 24-hour period united put out about four or five different announcements and about Pan mata going and pogba lingard and uh, i mean it was it was quite preposterous <laughs> some of the uh some of the scripts how they, they deified Pogba and uh, gave him about, a, it was like an 800-word sign-off and you thought, Cracky, what, what had he done to deserve that? But anyway, United are a different club um, this this summer and I suppose it does, uh, it, it 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 means they're in a better position now that they're, they're not in danger of so many high-profile players going at the end of their contracts. And also they've got, there's still a couple of goalkeepers and that's without... Mentioning De Gea that they've got to make decisions on Nathan Bishop he's had a strange existence there for nearly three and a half years Tom Heaton's 37 he's had a few injury issues as well, do they extend uh, those deals as well ahead of the summer where they are certainly looking to be open to be in the market for a goalkeeper so it it will still probably break double figures again uh, the release list but I think there'll be a few players on there that a lot of fans won't have heard of.
0: I mean, the majority of players in the academy, the reality is, they won't progress the first team. But I mean, I always say I'm, I'm always quite impressed when you look at the players the United's academy produces and then you look down the football leagues and who they're represented by. I think it's impressive down the Championship League One, League Two. They might, yeah, okay, might not be good enough to play for Manchester United's first team, but still go on to have respectable careers. And that's something obviously academy staff are always proud of when you, when you talk about that. Um, We'll, we'll talk on the volume. So sorry, to I, I, I think
2: on. even uh, just for my sins, going to watch Rochdale uh, a few weeks ago. I think there are four former United Academy players involved in in that game. So uh, it, it goes to show that although it's that's a long way down the the ladder, you, you're still having a career in the game, and that's that's the position that a lot of uh, a lot of kids end up being in.
0: Definitely, definitely, yeah. Um, another youngster Tyrone I was just going to say before we jump off We'll have to talk about him because he's been Scoring screamers left right centre this season Is Ahmad just before we jump off um, First time against Preston's, He got the ball to his feet What a strike that was And then the first leg against Luton at the playoffs in the championship Obviously he's had loan at Sunderland this season That was fantastic uh, Goal at the Stadium of Light Now reluctantly I will admit he's been fantastic for Sunderland um, He's had 13 goals and 3 assists Tyrone he's looked really good but I did my, my lunch piece on him this afternoon and supporters are seeing these clips and I, I kind of think the temptation these supporters are oh, right, get him in the first team, you know, he's ready, you see these goals. But when I've watched him this season, I actually watch him for 90 minutes. He's still very raw, obviously, um, and he still has lots to, to work on, which is to be expected of a player of this age. And I think if you look at the players, with the Sancho, you're going to have Ganacho and Rashford on the left, you're going to have Ante on the right. And with Ganacho and, and Rafael on the left, I was thinking Sancho might be vying for a start on the right next season. Now, we have talked about Sancho's kind of struggles, if you might say, he's not perhaps been the best, but I still think at this stage, Sancho's more likely to be ahead of the peck and order than Ahmad. So I would argue alone would probably be best next season. Ty, how would you see it happening in the summer? Because Ten Hag talked about him, didn't he, recently? Um, and what do you think is going to kind of happen over the next few months and maybe even next season with Ahmad? Because either way, he's an exciting talent, isn't he?
1: He is, yeah, you know, he's clearly going to go on the tour to, to the United States and, and get some chances over there. He he adds good balance, I think, to those to those wing options. Anthony's the only, I think, the only left-footed option, um you've got there. So Ahmad provides good balance. He's, I mean, his catalogue of golf this year, as you're saying, is is absolutely sensational. He's scoring, scoring screamers, and yeah, you know, you in your secret admiration of Sunderland, you seem to have watched more of them than than I have this season, um. So, uh, you can vouch for the fact that he's not influencing games across 90 minutes, but then maybe he's in he's in good company on the right wing for United there at the moment, you'd say. He's just a bit raw, isn't he? I think
0: that's the more common when I watch him. I mean, it's, it's the defensive cues as well. I think it's he probably when-
1: He's 20 at the moment, isn't he? I'm not sure. I, I don't know when his birthday. is. I'm not sure when he turns 21. But for the money United paid him, he's 21 in July, so he'll be 21 going into next season. I think for the money United paid for him, he needs to be in the squad next season. Otherwise you could even consider cashing in and selling and selling him. Um, you know, they paid a huge, huge fee for him. If he goes on loan next season, it needs to be a Premier League club where he's going to be starting and, and playing every week. So, you know, maybe there's an argument for that. But there's also a point, there become, uh, comes a point where you have to bring development of players like that in-house and, and look after them yourselves. And if he is Anthony's backup, say, on the right wing, he, he's going to get... He'd get 30 to 35 games next year, a good chunk of those as, as substitutes, but he could start all the cup games, there's league games he could start. So I think next year you'd you'd probably want him, I I personally would say, keep him at the club, have him as, as Anthony's backup and see how he goes and, and take it from there. But it, it is an issue on the wing because, I mean, I, I did a piece on it for lunch as well, all of those options... I mean, if you're looking at five wingers from Rashford, Gonacho, Sancho, Anthony, and Ahmad, they're all under 25. So you don't, you know, you don't need a succession plan. So you don't need to be keeping, you don't need to be keeping Ahmad going at 20 because Anthony's 22. So there's not like over 23 now. So there's not like you you you're blooding someone for the next generation and you've just spent 85 million on Anthony. So there might come a point with Ahmad where you do just have to say, right, you, you've done well for us, but we're going to sell you um, because it's. You know, if, if Ahmad does kick on from that loan and becomes as good as as people in Europe thought he was going to when, when United signed him from Atalanta, there's going to come a point where United just can't keep Rashford, Garnaccio, Anthony, Ahmad happy. Because it, already you're thinking with Rashford and Garnaccio, there comes a point there where one of them's going to need to change position or or do something a bit different. Because the way Garnaccio's going, by the end of next season, at least he's probably going to want to be and expect to be starting games every week. So they are... Um, yeah, they are flush with talents out wide and, and young talents as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how that develops. But I think keep keep out next year, see how it
0: goes and then maybe make a decision on him in 2024. With Samuel nodding along, it sounds like I'm very overrated on uh, on the stands of his future, which means he'll inevitably score 25 goals next season. He'll become first choice at right wing. <laughs> no, I, I was actually, um I was, I was disagreeing
2: with an element of, of Ty's argument. Uh, astonishingly, I, I, I think it's, it is probably manageable to have those four players a- around in that you you have got. You look at City, and I know it's easy to always look at City as the benchmark, but United have got to. They have got two players per position, and you don't hear many of them complaining about it. I mean, Silver, Bernardo Silva, it seemed like he's he's wanted out in a very respectable way, uh, sorry, respectful way for for a few years. But if it doesn't happen, he doesn't mind. He gets on with his job. He may finally go this summer, but they've they've got two players per position and none of them are missing out when it comes to international um, commitments. None of them, you don't hear any murmurings about them wanting out at all at the moment. And I think if you, you need two per position anyway, so I think that's completely logical. The, the one who has got to be in jeopardy is Sancho because it is very easy for Ten Hag to divorce himself from a player who signed on Solskjaer's watch. Anthony is his signing, Garnacho is the player he's brought in. Although Ahmad was signed on Solskjaer's watch, he barely got a look in, and he's he's looking like a pretty serious footballer now to the point that maybe Ten Hag... I mean, Ten Hag said last week that he's going to be... Uh, his his future's at United, so it'll be interesting to see if he does keep his word on that. But Sancho is an easy fall guy there, despite the obvious problem, as Ty said earlier. You're not sure what market is out there for him. Uh, United are either loaning him out and getting him off the books salary-wise for a season, which they have done a couple of times over the last year um, with, with Henderson, Tellers, and Bailly. So more than a couple of times. Because I just don't see a, a club that are going to pay £40 million pounds for a player who's his return this season has been underwhelming to, to put it politely And he missed three months of it as well you know, You'd you'd possibly say, well, T- Tottenham could could do with Sancho But I don't think Tottenham are going to be signing him permanently from United And you would also say if you're in Tottenham's position Go for go for James Madison in, in, instead uh, Because he is going to be sold by Leicester this summer
0: He feels like a Tottenham player, doesn't he, when I watch Madison um, I, do you know what I I played Devs Advocate with that City point. I thought point.
2: Newcastle, I thought Madison and Isaac in the in Newcastle attack, I think that would be right up Geordie's alley.
0: I would not say no to that. I would not say no to that. I was just going to end and say I played Devs Advocate with the City point by saying, I think why City's players don't moan and you don't hear whispers of that is because there's a guarantee of silverware and that kind of compensates for it. If you look at Calvin Phillips, for example, of course yeah. he's not playing, is he? But he probably thinks, do you know what, go to City, I know I'm not going to play as much, but I'm going to win a trophy, I'm going to win the Premier League. And- you say Calvin else. Phillips? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's safe to say that 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 one is going to, that experiment has failed. But that's what I mean. but moving He's, he's going to
0: leave a Premier League winner's medal, and he's probably going to think, right, well, you know what, at least I've won the league now, he can go and make yeah. 200 appearances I think appearances City would have for...
1: expected him to play a lot more than, than he has done. And the, the other thing they're good at is they've got players like, you know, Marat is a good example, who is in and out of the team a bit. But realistically, is he going to do any better than City? No. And no. Probably not. You know, if I guess the issue for United certainly on the PSG left, is if that Show develops as he does, then it's going to be a case that Real Madrid or Barcelona want him, and and when that when that happens, it's you know we need to be playing every week at United to keep him, and then you've got the the issue with Rashford, I guess. So, but it's I mean it's a good situation to have that you've basically got two two players who could be class classifying for a, the,
0: the same position. PSG's G's not a bad shout. I'm going to go place a fire off this podcast on. Morris to PSG during the summer win because Messi is gonna be moving with Messi, he's gonna be moving with So thanks Samuel, I'll, I'll buy you a pint when that comes in. Um but thanks again for your times, lads. Thank you very much, Samuel. Thank
2: you. You need to get a uh, either a betting firm or a razor blade manufacturer to sponsor this podcast,
0: I think, after today. <laughs> hey, well Liam's been joking that I should join the racing post as a race journalist, doing this, so I might just take that up instead. Um, and <laughs> everyone, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, and thanks to listeners as usual head across to youtube we now surpassed 2000 subscribers so thanks for your support across there and as usual we're available on all good audio platforms spotify apple etc so have a great week we'll be back on friday thank you very much